sure you'll be able to hear my uh, dishwasher going on in the background. But, I hope you know. so. We need that ambient sound. It, Just it make lets it people sound know we're fucking real. real. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there we go. See, Ugh. we should start a podcast. We're so in sync. We should, and we should call it Crime Culture. I am doing great with this. Look at with us. us introducing us. You remembered. I know. I've never remembered something so well. Who are yeah. you? I'm Haley. <laughs> um, that actually that out that worked out perfectly. That was a very that was meant to be a joke, but that worked out perfectly. She's Haley, and I'm Caitlin, and that's yeah. about as much as I remember. Sure. At this point, I defer to my notes. <laughs> well, this is a fun one because I have no fucking clue what we're talking about. Yes. I is... neglected to tell Haley that. So I fucked up and forgot to put the Patreon pick your poison poll. Ooh, I'm going to call it that next Ooh, time. That's a fun one. Ooh, that's a fun um, one. Um, but I forgot to put it up at the end of April. So instead, I put it up last week. And... Um, so I was like, what do you want? Pick. And so for those who don't know, who are just tuning, tuning in um, f- at, from the, uh, what is it? Um, a person in that position is God tier on our Patreon. Um, you can choose an episode for the month. So this is a Patreon chosen episode. And we will be talking about the wood chipper murder. <gasps> that i that i brought up last yes. week yes <laughs> all right i was cool. like oh what are the odds what are, well, the, what so, are the chances it was so interesting i'm glad we don't have to wait very long to hear all Same. about it yeah no it's a real fucked up one it's a little bit of a short one or at least without banter it's a short one and i know how we, we feel love about a banter. banter here we don't love a banter here no we have gotten I love requests for here. no banter so i'm going to try to keep things concise and keep my personal stories to a minimum so as not to piss off the various people that be um so the wood chipper murder the wood chipper murder brought to you by patreon <laughs> thanks patreon thanks um so to start things out real quick um there's not a lot that i could find on Hella Crafts's background, but I do know that she was born on July 7th, 1947 as Hella Lork Nielsen in mm-hmm. Charlottenlund, Denmark. Oh, all right. Charlotte with an N, Lund, like Lund, you know. Like land. But with a U, yes. yes. Denmark. Um, focusing way too much on it um but friends described hella as being very friendly very warm intelligent um she had a really kind and cheerful personality uh we'll get into this a little bit more a bit later but like she fucking loved her kids she was such a good like devoted mother and literally like she was just as beautiful on the inside as she was on the outside and if you don't know what she looks like like trust me like she's she is the epitome of like the beautiful Norwegian woman. Yes. That like everybody pictures when they think of just that general area. <laughs> um, but while training to become a Pan Am flight attendant, Hella met Eastern Airlines pilot in training and U.S. Air Force veteran Richard Crafts through work. Um, and though the couple married in 1979, um, they moved into a luxurious home on a two acre lot in Newtown, Connecticut, which, as we've talked about before, is maybe like 20 minutes ish from where I grew up, depending. Mm-hmm. Um, it sh- they 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 lived there. They had three beautiful children um, and despite all of that, they had a seemingly happy, idyllic life. But their relationship was pretty much rife with problems from the beginning. Um, Richard frequently cheated on Hella while they were dating, like before Gross. they were even married, and then into their carried that into their marriage. And overall, he just didn't seem to care as much for her as she did for him, if at all. Then why be married? Exactly. Exactly. I don't um, understand that. I just, just had leave. this. I just had this conversation with my dad today. We're film. We're we're doing this on Sunday. We're not filming. I mean, you and I are looking at each other, but because I watched Jerry Maguire last night, and I said to him, I I texted him at like one o'clock his time, and I was like, Yo, what the fuck is this movie? Why get married? For those who haven't seen Jerry Maguire, like, why get married yeah, if you? don't want to get married which is basically something that happens between tom cruise and renee zellweger 
And then he and I talked about it on the phone today. We were just like, it, it's just, why? Why? No wonder Tom Cruise gave his Emmy back. He didn't deserve it. Um, whoop, can I say that? So, let's see. I said no tangents. I'm trying to keep it to a minimum, I promise. But It's all right. Sometimes it just comes out. Sometimes it just comes out. I'm sorry. It's like a fart. I can't help it. Um, I mean, it just comes out. Okay. Oh, the children listening to this will love it. We know we have children children? listening to this. There are children who listen to this podcast. They shouldn't be. They should be in bed. I don't care what time of day it is. But anyway, um, he when he was asked why he had married Hella, for example, Richard replied, Hella was pregnant at the time we were married. We knew she was pregnant. It was too far. It was far too advanced for a doctor to perform an abortion. And we decided to get married, end quote. God, that just gives me chills. It's so romantic. There's so many people that like. You would have been better off just like kind of doing a co-parent thing. And if you really just didn't want to be a parent, just fucking fade away, dude. She's going to she'll find somebody else. And you know what? They'll be a perfect family. True, true. Also, she was hot as shit, but um i i will say co-parenting maybe not um because maybe not in this current situation but like if anybody else is going through oh yes yes stuff like that like you don't have to get married this is no. that's a lot it's a lie from big marriage from um, big wedding <laughs> from big wedding <laughs> um but between being a veteran Um, working full-time as a pilot and also working part-time as a police officer in the nearby town of Southbury. And he also, remember this, he served as a volunteer constable in Newtown in addition to all of this. Can you do me a favor and remember that? Yes, constable, Newtown. Thank you. So needless to say, he made fucking great money. They lived in a gorgeous house. They lived on two fucking acres of land in Connecticut. For those who don't know, Connecticut ain't cheap. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Hella continued to work. She loved her job. Her. She was great at it. She was great at it because of her personality, but then also she was fluent in four languages because, again, fucking smart. Um, yeah. But above all, Richard was extremely financially controlling and would make Ew. her pay for pretty much anything the kids needed like school stuff clothes um she she even had to foot the bill for any family vacations like Jeez. yeah yeah so again maybe not co-parenting in this particular situation yeah, it sounds like he also, would need to pay child support at some point he needed to pay child support in the fucking marriage yeah But in 1985, Hella began to suspect that Richard was having yet another affair after she discovered he had sent, or he had sent, for heaven's sakes, he had made multiple phone calls to an unknown number. So in September 1986, Hella hired a private investigator named Oliver Mayo, who managed to get some photos of Richard kissing another flight attendant outside her home in New Jersey, which is decidedly not his wife and not his home in Connecticut. Yeah. Also, um, I can imagine not to like malign an entire uh, profession, but I can imagine, especially at that time period, a pilot could get away with like murder, a lot of <laughs> a lot of affairs. Um, yes, it, it seems like we'll, a profession where you're like all over the place and it's like hose in different area codes, hose in different area <laughs> codes. But then also just like we'll get into it but you're not you're not fully far off there but not just because of the whole like being in different places thing but also because it was kind of still a madman-esque time yes and it was like oh a pilot and now it's just like oh a pilot (laughs) sure like john travolta's a pilot anybody can be a pilot these days right no if you got a lot of money but if you got a lot of money that's true um that part is true but regardless um hella was heartbroken even though he had cheated on her umpteen times and he was just a shit husband shit father shit dude she was absolutely just devastated and it sounds like she put up a lot to like try to make it work yeah she did but this even though she like she burst into tears when she got these photos of course even still this was the straw that broke the camel's back she said no more i'm done 
and met with a divorce eternity uh, eternity met with a divorce eternity <laughs> does last for um, an eternity it does it does divorce is forever unless you remarry um, i mean you got to put your foot down at some point like yeah at least she's not like rolling over every single time like she catches it i mean everybody well, has their reasons for different things so like yes and and to for, that point for people yeah for people who are in relationships that like the partner knowingly cheats i well, mean it's not and, i wouldn't say it's great but like it's no one's fault for staying it, it's no one's fault for staying regardless because not only that let's not forget like and i've only kind of touched on it but he was abusive as well and it's yeah it's not an easy thing especially like any form of abuse but also like financial abuse when the purse strings are being held so tightly that it's difficult exactly. to kind of go your own way and I, to create I, now your I'm own distracted safety from net to leave. Mac. Yes, yes. Um, uh, but I, I, I mean, it's good for her that she finally got together the courage to leave. Yeah. But it's not a case that not everybody can do that. And yeah, it's it's not her fault. Should she have never been able to do that? Mm -hmm. um, but all the more power to her that she did finally decide to say enough was enough. Um, and she told both her divorce lawyer and her friends, quote, if anything ever happens to me, don't think it was an accident, end quote. Which is not surprising given, like, you know, the, the age-old montage, the husband did it. But also... I would say, but like... In her position, she was able to have, like, a private investigator. I would say, like, if you're at that point where you're telling people, hey, don't, like, if something happens to me, like, I didn't do anything. It's it's likely the work of this other person. Like, I think I would probably hire, like, some protective service, especially if you're planning to leave and he finds out. You don't know what the heck's going to happen then. So, like... I, I will say, I mean... With that, though, because she has not, she's making these preparations. She has not, he doesn't know yet. He's not home yet, right? No, he's home. Oh, he, oh, he is? He lives with her. Yes. She's planning all was, of this while they live together. I mean, he is, but so is she. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but beyond that, even, just, it, how do I put this? It, it's just, she. she's not in a place yet where she can... If she's hiring security, he's going to know something's up and she doesn't know how he's going to react. The reason she yeah. even said that if something happens to me, it's not an accident was because she was scared of how he was going to react when she told him that she was leaving him and taking the kids. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's not it's very difficult to be to to be kind of like flying under the radar no pun intended when you're trying to get out of an abusive household relationship any uh, like yeah. all of that so i mean she could have but at the same time and let's also not forget he was a cop he was a pilot but he was also a cop and he yeah. worked with law enforcement in his hometown or their hometown there where they settled and in another town over yeah, so, so like his, his reach was was farther than yeah so she couldn't even be like hey could i have a cop accompany me to like the thing because they take care of their own there's no guarantee that somebody's not going to tip him off that hey your wife plans on leaving you on x and such date and they she asked for a police escort like yeah, i mean I, and i guess that's part of the abuse too is that yes you get uh alienated from anybody that could possibly give you aid right right um but yeah, so Hella also told her lawyer that Richard, quote, had a lot of guns in the house, end quote, and admitted that he, in addition to financially abusing her, had physically abused her in the past and was continuing to do so. So he's cheating. He's hurting her. He's financially abusing her. And she's at a point where she's just done. Yeah, she needs to get the hell out of there. But despite all of this... Hella still decided to obtain what's considered or what's called a no fault divorce, which is where she doesn't blame. She doesn't she like she doesn't say it's because he cheated on me. It's because he hits me. It's because he financially has like made me unable to remain independent. It's because he does all of these awful things to me. 
rather than that, she just made it just like, oh, like we're just getting a divorce. Because yeah. for one thing, she worried about how their kids would take it, how their kids were going to take this entire uprooting of their lives. But yeah. also she was afraid of what the neighbors would think. She was afraid of what the surrounding community was going to think. And should all it of this seems get like out. it seems like she was worried about her safety, too. But yeah, yes. when you when you talk about the kids, it's hard enough uh, for the kids to go through a divorce. But if they find out we're going through a divorce because of abuse of and cheating and like that could throw right. everything up into the air right kids and also to kind of not that he deserved it but to preserve their child's their children's perception of their father so that they could make their own decisions about their father and like i mean no parent no matter what the parent the other parent has done should necessarily talk shit about the child's other parent to the child in such no, a, that's unhealthy like, but like yeah. it also seems like he didn't provide I, at least financially didn't really provide too much for the kids so like no. i fig i figured they would see that once they got older and be like you know exactly what? exactly that's for them to determine right. yes yeah um but so yeah so now my sources differed on this some said that the divorce papers were put together in october but others said that they were actually dated november 11th um regardless of any of this these papers that were mentioned were never served to richard okay um prior to spoiler alert hella's disappearance um i will say that it um there's there's the belief out there nobody knows spoiler alert what exactly happened for what I'm about to tell you, but it's one of the theories is that Hella told her husband the night that she disappeared that she was leaving him. And yeah, to kind of prep him to get served with to the papers. To serve him with the papers, yeah. yes. So on November 18th, 1986, um, Hella and two of her flight attendant friends headed home. Um, they, they were dropping her off after she had finished working a flight to New York from Frankfurt, Germany. And during the flight, Hella had actually, we'd talked about her loving her kids and caring about her kids and how they would take the divorce. She talked the entire flight about how worried she was about supporting her children as a single mom. But by the end of the flight, her friends felt that not only did she seem at peace with her decision, but she was excited for the fresh start that this new chapter in her life would bring. Yeah, that could be exciting. Yeah. Especially um, getting away from the abuse and yes, and being under somebody's fun thumb for so long. Like it's 1986; yeah. they got married in 1979. Yeah. Like they they it, that and they were dating before that. Like it's just that's a long time. Yeah, to go through that kind of abuse, right? Um, so, th- regardless, a- allegedly when she arrived home, Hella saw the lights on at their house, and she like deduced like it was obviously that richard had waited up for her and mm-hmm. so she turned to her friends and sighed quote richard's home end quote and was clearly just not looking forward to it yeah so at this time connecticut was gearing up for like a huge snowstorm i believe it was actually the first of the season um but regardless it was like the first big one and so everybody was kind of rushing to get home and it hit that night and Hella was never seen again. Ooh. Yes. So the next morning, Richard said, uh, Richard took um, their kids to his sister's house in Westport, Connecticut at like the crack of dawn because their power had gone out. This happens all the time. People frequently will flee their powerless homes, mostly because it's a blizzard and it's fucking freezing and you have no power, which means you have no heat, which is a fucking miserable existence, um, especially back then without like generators and things like that. Yeah. So when he arrived, everybody noticed that Hello was not with him. And even his kids who were between five and ten at this time or their kids, her kids, let's be real. Um, yep. They asked where their mom was and Richard just said that she would join them soon. So he's like, oh, she'll be here soon. She'll be here soon. Yeah, she never did. Never mm. showed up. So Hella's friends and her loved ones became very concerned for her safety. Um, 
Time continued to pass days, weeks without there being any sign of her. Um, as I said before, she had mentioned in the past to her friends, not just to her divorce attorney, that Richard had a violent temper. He was quick to anger. And between that and the divorce and what she had said about don't believe it's an accident, her friends and family immediately suspected that something was wrong and that Richard had something to do with it. Mm. Richard, meanwhile, had a litany of excuses as to where his wife was and why nobody would contact her. Um, she was visiting her sick mother, Elizabeth Nielsen, in Denmark, or she was in Florida, or she was vacationing in the Canary Islands with a friend, or he had no idea where she was. Um, it's not... Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you, don't, you don't just not know where your wife is exactly. for an extended period of time. That's For most not- periods of time. And, like, even if it's just like, oh, like they're out shopping or oh they went out for a run like just like you always kind of know where the person you cohabitate with is um but he even told hella's friends that she was on another flight but remember her friends a lot of them were flight attendants so they knew and also they knew that richard would know that aviation regulations would not allow hella to fly again so soon after her last shift because she's supposed you're supposed to get like a proper rest period yeah 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 so So, obviously a lie yeah but why why say like obvious lies because and like i i didn't really touch on this aspect of it but in pretty much nearly every article that i found richard because uh, presumably he was a cop, believed he was smarter than the police. So he kind of just flew by the seat of his pants with that ignorance. Yeah. Um, so, but meanwhile, another excuse then unravels because her mom, who, like Hella's friends, was also very worried, she denied that she was even sick. She says, I'm not sick. I'm totally fine. There was no plan for Hella to come visit me, and she's not here. Yeah, he keeps saying, like, really easily debunked lies. Exactly. Like, you're digging a hole, bud. Like, come the fuck on. And and then, on top of all of this, on top of the lies, in the days immediately following his wife's disappearance, Richard suddenly got hit with an urge to do some feng shui and get rid of a bunch of shit. And, like, you know, how you do. No, 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 no. Not that I knew of, not that I could <laughs> see any. like, I don't know where my wife is, but all of her shit's out on the front lawn, so. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, just very uncommon behavior when your wife and the mother of your child, your children are missing, uh, yeah. is missing. Um, but he dismantled, like, a bunch of the shit in their bedroom and dis- and just, like, redecorated. Okay. So between this and all of the excuses that Richard was giving as to his wife's whereabouts, on December 1st, 1986, which is at this point two weeks after Hella's disappearance, one of her friends and co-workers, Rita Buonanno, had just had enough and filed a missing persons report. Only to find out that Richard had not even filed one himself. That's disgusting, and also the biggest red flag of all red flags. Exactly! It's fucking strike three, buckaroo! You're out! Like, that's... What are you doing? But he thinks he's smarter than everybody. Also completely, like, 100% missing over the holidays, and you say, I don't know where she is. Yeah. You know where somebody is over the holidays. Yeah. The fact that, like, that didn't raise more red flags is... Right. I, I will say she just missed Thanksgiving. Not that Thanksgiving isn't fun. You get a lot of trip to fan, but, but we're still, not at the like point a, where she's like missing Christmas yet. It's a family gathering holiday. Yeah, right. Now, remember that private detective Hella hired Oliver Mayo? Yes. <laughs> I was like, are you thinking about Sorry. it? Um, well, Hella's friends decided to hire him to try to figure out where their friend was because they were like, at this point, nobody's doing anything. So they asked him to look into it. And he also became suspicious that when he finds out that his client had suddenly gone missing after uncovering all this damning information about her husband and deciding to leave him and divorce him. And so he became convinced that Richard was somehow involved. So he went to the police and he was just like, listen, this is a bad, bad thing that's going on right here. Like, it's very clearly or it's very clear to me at least that some that he is involved in some way um but 
Because of Richard's connections with the police, Mayo could not convince local law enforcement to look into his suspicions. Mm. Yeah. Anybody smell bacon? Mm. Um, Meanwhile, as we know, Richard was cheating on Hella, but what Hella didn't know was that there wasn't just one woman in New Jersey. There were several women. Yeah. And without... It's never just one. It's never just one. But even beyond that, like, Richard continued having these affairs without a hint of remorse after his wife's disappearance. And while Richard's girlfriends knew that he was married, because again, like he's a pilot and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. None of them were aware that his wife had disappeared. He didn't mention it to any of them. He just operated without talking about her as he had previously done. So finally, the county prosecutor decided to listen to Mayo and referred the case to the Connecticut State Police. And on December 26, 1986, the Crafts home was searched while Richard and his children were on vacation in Florida. And you know what? The police were right. Couldn't have possibly been one of their own. They, he was uh-huh. completely innocent. They found nothing. Anybody smell bacon? Um, they open their eyes while they did the search oh uh, well something opened their eyes um uh, among other damning evidence of foul play investigators found a blood smear on the mattress that matched hella's blood type and pieces of carpet had been taken from the master bedroom floor and the forensic investigator or the, the they they basically were like we need to have a forensic investigation over this like this is not good um yeah so The investigation that ensued was led by a state police investigator who we all know as our Lord and Savior and all-around angel of a human being, Dr. Henry C. Lee. Yay! Love this man. So, moving on. Although Richard claimed he had not left the house on November 19th, upon digging into his credit card records, authorities found several unusual purchases, including new bed sheets and a comforter on the day that he said he'd been home. And mm-hmm. let's not forget, everybody, we don't have Amazon. Like, there's no online shopping. Yeah. Like, he, he, he went bought those that things. day. Yeah. And also a chest freezer a few days before Hella's disappearance. However, when police searched the Crafts' home, there was no sign of the freezer or the bedding anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Furthermore, the credit card records showed that Richard had also rented a 2,700-pound wood chipper and a U-Haul truck shortly after Hella disappeared on November 20th, and he told the rental service that he had cut down some trees at his property. Yeah. This guy is Mm -hmm. so bad Mm -hmm. at planning a murder. Oh, yes. Just painful. Excellent for this case that it was like, it's really easy to kind of like figure out who done it. It's very easy to figure out who done it, but figuring it out and circumstantially. It, yes, yeah. exactly. Two very different things as we'll get into in a minute. Um, Cause it was at this point that a key break came in the case. Thanks to a Southbury highway worker named Joseph Hine. Uh, he drove a snowplow for the town during the winter. And after he learned that the craft's home had been searched, he felt compelled to come forward with some information that he thought might help. Mm-hmm. And so remember, there was a snowstorm that happened the night that Hella was last seen. Uh-huh. So two nights later, Heinz w- or Hein was plowing the roads at about like 3, 4 a.m. near the shores of Lake Zor, which, fun fact, is not a lake. It's a fucking reservoir in slash near the Housatonic River. Like, I don't know why everybody fucking calls it a lake. It's not a fucking I don't lake. Know, I don't know what the classifications are for... Like lakes. lakes and ponds <laughs> and like what makes it one or the other. No fucking I know that's idea. Googleable. Yeah, don't know if it's Googleable, but it always drove me fucking nuts because I lived near Lake Zor, so I was always like, "Why are we calling it this?" But it, it, here's the thing about Lake Zor: it's kind of like the Four Corners here in the United States, where all of the four states like come together and make a perfect little like T shape. Um, but yeah, that's in uh, New Mexico, Colorado, Colorado Utah, Utah, and th- another one. Yeah, sure. Let's Nevada? go with Arizona. Arizona? It's sure. one of those. Yeah. I'm um, not looking at a map right now. I, neither am I. And unlike most people, we don't know anything about our country. Um, so I know some stuff. I, I know some things. I know that we have a panhandle somewhere. Um, but 
this is kind of like the four corners but with towns so it's bordered partly by newtown partly by southbury partly by monroe partly by oxford connecticut so like it's like two are on one side and two are on the other so heinz said that not only did he see richard with this u-haul and wood chipper over by lake zor but he saw him not on the newtown part but the southbury part which is about 20 minutes like distance between each other i'd say okay so what does heinz see none other than richard crafts using this u-haul and wood chipper on the side of the road next to the beach again at 3 a.m yeah between 3 and 4 a.m so he then obliged and took the investigators to the spot where he saw them saw him and there they found a envelope with a return address and everything that was addressed to Hella near the shore. Um, and then they basically just went on a search to recover her body at this point. And so, this is why, like, if you see something, say something is yeah. so important because that is a huge break in the case that came from somebody just coming up and saying, I saw something weird and mm-hmm. maybe you should look into it. Yeah. Um, and and it's it was so like so many people were talking about it too that like he noticed that he like he recognized the guy yeah um but yeah so they they decided to recover her body um state police divers started by looking in the lake and allegedly richard told his brother-in-law quote let them dive there's no body it's gone end quote that's like a, that's like a confession though yeah so yeah and you want to know something he wasn't wrong Mm -hmm. there was no body but what the divers did find were a chainsaw and serrated cutting bar that had been thrown into the lake and both of them had human hair and tissue embedded in their teeth and their serial numbers were filed off oh my god so this led to a search for further evidence which began on december 30th 1986 in which authorities basically did like a fine tooth comb level search of the beach um complete they they like thawed the snow they sifted through soil damn um and they found a bunch of first of all like minuscule pieces of metal like that would come from say a wood chipper and about three ounces, or for our international listeners, about 85 grams of human tissue. And this included bone fragments, the crown of a tooth with a piece of jawbone attached, a toenail, two teeth, 2,666 bleached blonde human hairs, a fingernail covered in pink nail polish, five droplets of type O blood, and then also some lacy material from women's underwear. Jeez. All of this was key, especially considering Hella's hair was bleached blonde, her blood type was O, and she just so happened to be wearing pink nail polish at the time she disappeared. Yeah. Furthermore, they also investigated the rented U-Haul van, and they found a clump of tissue-like material that tested positive for human blood. Mm-hmm. And so using these findings in conjunction with Heinz's testimony, authorities came to the conclusion that Richard had put Hella's remains through the wood chipper he had rented and subsequently been seen towing. So investigators were able to piece this together. Basically, on the night of her murder, Hella came home and Richard beat her in the head with a blunt object at least twice in their bedroom. That's what that blood smear on the mattress yeah. was. Yeah. Um. And where the the stain, there's, we'll get into it. There's also a stain on the rug. Uh, But then he stored her body in the freezer that he purchased until it was frozen solid, at which point he put the pieces through the wood chipper and they think he aimed it. So the fragmented remains went into the bed of the truck and then he shoveled them out of the truck and into slash onto the shore of Lake Zor. Needless to say, I am very happy that I never, ever fucking ever swam in lake sore yes yeah um that i know of my my girlfriends who listen to this might be like hey do you remember that one time i don't want to remember i don't want to remember do not remind me my memory is shit normally it's a curse and not a blessing in this case it's a blessing but yeah so at the time of this case we we we, we touched on this a little bit last week too but 
prosecution for a homicide required an official cause, time of death, like all of that for an alleged victim to like be identified as a victim. Uh Um, Like you've heard before, um, no body, no crime. Yeah. And so it was very much kind of like that. And forensic evidence was new. Forensics was new. And I'm sure that's what he thought. Oh, yeah. Um, And because forensics was so new, like had this happened a few years earlier, they may not have figured this out. They may have only had this circumstantial evidence. However, since there wasn't a body, and even though there was enough anecdotal coincidences between the remains found in Hela, the situation was difficult. So basically they operated on like a wing, a prayer, and probably a sacrifice of some deity and enlisted the help of a forensic dentist. Fun fact, that is a real job. And a forensic anthropologist. Uh Um, And so they examined the crown found on Lake Zor and the anthropologist confirmed that like the the jawbone that was attached was human. Uh And the forensic dentist, even though this was just like a fragment, they were able to determine that it was a positive match to Hella's dental records. Wow. Yeah. And that was enough for the Connecticut State Medical Examiner's Office to be able to issue a death certificate for Hella on January 13th, 1987. And that same day, Richard was immediately arrested as he arrived home from a ski trip because he was in mourning. And that's what you do. You take a ski trip. So this fucking is Connecticut. Like, it's just so fucked up because like obviously that is a fucking horrible thing to happen but like oh, this yeah. is the mother of your children dude <laughs> yeah like but not to be callous children it doesn't sound like he even wanted in the first place i mean he didn't sound like yeah too yeah. loving to them and he sounds like uh this isn't something that hadn't crossed his mind before right yes uh because this does sound like uh as like shoddy as it was it sounded like pretty pre-planned he went out and bought the stuff for it and like made that plan and like had to think of like oh how am i gonna how am i gonna do this wood chipper yeah um so there's that part of it but what a douche canoe fucked crime oh and it it's it just it gets very yeah so the trial or I, I skipped ahead a little bit sorry so they they decide that he's going to be put to trial or whatever. But for the trial, state medical examiner H. Wayne Carver actually, like, took a pig carcass because pig, like, not Skin in terms of aesthetic, but yeah, like, it's very similar to human. Yeah, I know, like, uh, tattoo apprentices practice on pig skin. Oh, that's something I wish I never knew. Not, not um, live pigs. Well, I would hope not live <laughs> pigs. Yes. They're badass pigs running around with <laughs> fucking skull tattoos. Jesus Christ. Um, all I can picture is the pig from Gravity Falls just like running around with like a little tat. Um, but they, it, the medical examiner put the carcass through a wood chipper Oh, and Jesus Christ. confirmed it was dead it was dead i know but that's um, still so fucking gross well no but it was it was gross but it was also genius because he was able to confirm that the marks on the bones and the shape of the fragments yeah. the way they came out were like eerily like almost identical yeah. to those of hella's bone fragments yeah So the trial, with all of this in mind, the trial began in May 1988 in New London, Connecticut, which for those who don't know, it's kind of ridiculous because New London is like 80 miles away from Newtown. But they have to do that sometimes. They have to like bring the trial like really, really far away because mm -hmm. of the outrage locally. They and that's exactly it. They had to do pretty much like just like how they had to do with the Bernie Tide case. Like it had so much publicity that they were like, we're not going to get a fair trial out of this. Um, one local like neighbor or whatever you want to call it said, quote, every juror in Danbury knew something about the case. They talked about it constantly and made jokes about it frequently, end quote. Yeah. So they ended up interviewing 46 prospective jurors over the course of five days and selected 10 men and two women, which I think is disproportionate, but that's just me. Yeah. And prosecutors argued 
So again, no body, no crime, and forensics is very new. So their argument was that Richard killed Hella before dismembering her body with a chainsaw and feeding her through the wood chipper because he didn't want to get a divorce. Yeah, I mean, that sounds... Yeah. You know what you should do if you don't want to get a divorce? Not cheat on your wife. Not cheat on your wife. Don't get married in the first place. Don't don't uh, beat just the shit out of your spouse. Of don't yeah. financially abuse them. Take responsibility for your fucking crotch fruit. Like, there's so many things that you could do to avoid a divorce that don't involve, you know, murdering your spouse. But during the trial, multiple witnesses were called, including Peter Grosbeck, who was the manager of Darien Rental Service, from which Richard got the wood chipper, like, that he used. That he rented, yeah. Yes, and um, he confirmed that when Richard was returning the wood chipper, there was a chainsaw inside the truck, saying, quote, I can't be sure if it's this chainsaw, but it looked like this one, end quote, in reference to the one they found in the water. Yeah. So also called to the stand was the Crafts housekeeper slash nanny. Think like Chessie from The Parent Trap. Yeah. And her name was Dawn Marie Thomas. And she testified that she had seen the couple fighting days before Hella went missing. And then on the day of Hella's disappearance, Richard sent her home early. Mm. And then a few days later, she said Richard had removed the new freezer that he had bought from their home, even though it was still working just fine. Yeah. And also the carpet, which had a large grapefruit size stain on it. And this from there from the bedroom. And Thomas said that when she asked about the stain, Richard told her that he had spilled some kerosene on it and told her not to clean it. Yeah. Kerosene looks a lot like blood. I was going to say, here's the thing. (laughs) Kerosene doesn't stain. It's colorless. It does not leave a stain. It leaves a smell for certain. And she did not notice a kerosene smell. Does it leave one of those like off color, like oil stains? Not from what I could. I mean, I'll Google really quick, but I mean, I've seen or I've think i've seen kerosene stains i mean and i guess you can make the argument that there's like a kerosene lamp or something so like you can say like okay maybe it was in the bedroom but i love when they make the excuse it's like gasoline or something i was like really you brought like that much gasoline to your bedroom and exactly that stain you're fucking stupid um but so prosecutors also called richard's co-worker southbury policeman richard wildman um to the stand and he told the jury that at around 4 a.m. on November 21st, 1986, he saw Richard parked with the U-Haul truck and wood chipper in a school parking lot that was near the police station. Uh, Wildman said, quote, I asked him, what the hell are you doing with a wood chipper? And he said some limbs had come down around his house during the previous snowstorm and he was cleaning them up, end quote. Okay. I'm sorry. He said fucking limbs? Well, tree limbs. That's what you... Yeah. But still, some limbs came down during the snowstorm. No shit some limbs came down. They were your fucking wife's. If you're trying to think of it in that... I don't think he was being I don't think he was being nefarious. nefarious. I think he was being stupid. I think that he was busy thinking about limbs and like, come on, you can't say branches. A tree came down. Limbs... Who calls fucking tree branches limbs? And if this is the pigtail ponytail thing. I work in the biz and they're called limbs. I know that. But at the same time, like choice of words, man. Just fucking. But yeah. So next up was Elizabeth Nielsen, Hella's mom. Um, She said that despite Richard's assurances that Hella was with her mother, the last time they actually saw each other had been for Elizabeth's 80th birthday in July 1986. And she said, quote, she stayed for three days and I never saw her again, end quote. Mm. Just fucking awful. And in conjunction with this testimony, prosecutors brought forth a letter Hella had written to her mother in which she said, quote, I told Richard I want a divorce, end quote. And that Richard was, quote, seemingly unhappy about the idea, end quote. Uh-huh. Hella's friend, Susan Lawson, also confirmed this, saying that Richard even lied about he had had colon cancer in the past. She lied or he lied that he was that it had come back and tried to use that to guilt Hella into calling off any plans for yeah, a divorce. To keep her from leaving. Yeah. Fucking and, garbage but, human. But Hella called Richard's oncologist and learned that he was fine and like yeah. literally like 
picture perfect health. The the fucking easily debunked lies. I know, I know. Um, but Lauston also said that Hella had quote expressed fear for her safety from conversations and dealings she had with Richard and was concerned that he may harm her, end quote. Yeah. And reiterated that Richard had physically abused his wife prior to her disappearance. Yeah. Finally, Richard was called to the stand. Oh, boy. And when they asked him if he had used a chainsaw and or a wood chipper to kill his wife, he replied without a modicum of emotion, quote, no, sir, I did not, end quote. Mm-hmm. Instead, he asserted that Hella had been unhappy, correct, and run away, eh, leaving him and their free, three children behind. This she woman loved the kids. Yeah, she loved her fucking kids. Yeah. There's no, like, dude, you're not helping yourself. Like, just stop fucking talking. But in July 1988, the trial concluded with a deadlocked jury because a single juror kept voting to acquit Richard. And finally just walked the fuck out of the deliberation area room thing and refused to come back. Wow. So then they had to do a second trial the following year in Norwalk, Connecticut on November 21st, 1989. And finally on January 8th, 1990. So not a very long trial. 52-year-old Richard Crafts was found guilty of murder and sentenced to serve 50 years in prison. Um, unlike the first trial, it took this jury only eight hours to come to a unanimous decision. Yeah. That sounds about right. And after this conviction and Hella's death, her friends actually really, like, got up in arms and came together. And they took in her kids so they wouldn't be uprooted from their life. They could still go to school. They could still see their friends. They wouldn't have yeah. to change, like, districts or anything. And they organized fundraisers to ensure that they were cared for in the future. Um, The state also made sure that Richard's pension went to his children. Good. So he did end up having to do that child support. Yes. And a military pension is no joke. It is fucking hefty. Yes. So, yeah. In January 2020... Uh, Richard was released from prison. He had been sent to a maximum security prison and had been there for a bit and then ended up going to the low security Willard Cybulski Correctional Institution where he stayed until he was released, at which point he was sent to live in a halfway house for veterans in Bridgeport, Connecticut, despite... Was he released for the COVID? No. Oh, January 2020. That was before. Yeah, it was pre-COVID. Before Um, it hit US. No, he was um, released because... Uh, first of all, they counted the three years that he spent behind bars during these trials towards his sentence, um, as one does with a white man. And then he, so at the time that he was sentenced, um, he, uh, according to um, representatives for the Connecticut Department of Corrections, there was what was called a statutory good time law which allowed for large amounts of time to be taken off prison sentences to reward good behavior and like working in the prison and things like that. And even though the law was basically like changed to the point of not allowing this, like while he was in prison, the time that he did accrue got to apply still. So he only served, I believe it was 32 years in prison. Then he was removed and they determined he was not a high risk because he was like 82 years old. And he just, I'm not, I'm not here for this. I'm actually, I'm very mad about it. Um, but he just, it, and he also, he did not have a squeaky clean prison record. He did do shit that was like, that got him in trouble, but they didn't count against him basically. I mean, I'm all for like, people getting out of prison and being given another chance but like you should be supervised so at least he was in a facility for um for veterans yeah but but it's 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 a halfway house it's not like it's it's like kind of like this is where you stay until you like get your bearings it's not like supervised per se yeah it's not like um like a parole type situation where you have to check in with somebody yeah 
Um, maybe he was. Maybe he does have a parole officer. That I'm not sure. Nothing. Nothing I could find said well, something like that. If he like got that, released, but, then he's not on parole. I don't. I don't yeah. understand the whole process of all that. We have people that listen that work in the prison system, so maybe they or can. Worked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. People who are involved in the prison system in some way. Um, so maybe they can enlighten us. But but no. I also the department of corrections like this made like a lot of news in connecticut and again he was sentenced in like 1990 and the fact that this got so much attention people were pissed and the details of the crime are so horrific horrific yeah so i can imagine that it would make like pretty pretty big headlines yeah and well and but what I'm, I'm also saying is it made pretty big headlines, but also so with that, the Department of Corrections was playing it very close to their chest. Yeah. And because they knew people were unhappy that he was out. Yeah. Not that I blame the people that were unhappy, but getting into the pop culture side of things. If this story sounds familiar to you. Um, well, that's because I talked about it last week, but also if it sounded familiar before that, that would be because it served as partial inspiration for what is probably one of, if not like the most well-known Coen Brothers films, which is the 1996 movie Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. Which stars Frances McDormand as the pregnant police officer, Marge Gunderson. Um, as well as William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi. Um, it, it's a great movie. It's, it's All the faces like, are in there. Yes. And I, I, I just, I, between talking this out and like with my research and everything, I was like, I kind of want to watch it again because it's that good. And I'm not one of those people that rewatches movies, especially if it's Jerry Maguire. Um, but like, obviously, like there were a lot of like liberties taken with the story. Um, for example, a pregnant cop was not involved in this, uh-huh. um, and it didn't take place in Fargo. It took place in Connecticut. But um, the special edition DVD of the movie actually includes a statement that confirms the film was inspired by Hallicraft's story. And specifically, like, at the end of the movie, when, like, uh, it's been fucking 24 years. How old? My brother just had a birth. It's his birthday today. Um, happy birthday to me. I love you. But um, it, so he is 20. I'm a bad sister. He's 24. So 25 years ago. Um, so if you're calling this a spoiler, get the fuck out of here. Uh, but a character is basically murdered and their body is put through a wood chipper and they do not spare any details. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 90% Google score, and a 90% tomato meter rating, and 93% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, oh, with hey. the critics' consensus being, quote, violent, quirky, and darkly funny. Fargo delivers an original crime story and a wonderful performance by McDormand, end quote, which I could not agree more because she's just a shining star. Um Love. But I, I think you can watch this for free on YouTube in addition to it being available on Hulu because uh, I just saw that on there like a month ago. Yeah, YouTube is doing that thing where you can watch some movies free if you yeah, do it with ads. So yeah. that's cool. Um, but if, if that's changed, like, please don't come for me. I'm sorry. I just I, I thought I saw it the other day and I was like, oh, that's you nice. But it could also it be paid. You can definitely find it somewhere. Um, but the movie also inspired an anthology TV series of the same name on the FX channel here yeah. in America, which you can watch. I, I think you can also watch that on Hulu. Um, and it started in 2014. It's still going. Um, it has a fucking stellar cast. Uh, Jesse Kirst- Plemons, right? Jesse Plemons and his... Love. Um, he, he is Mr. Kirsten Dunst. And she was on that show too, I believe. Um, but also it's got like Billy Bob Thornton and Chris Rock and Mary Elizabeth Winstead and fucking Martin Freeman, Jason Schwartzman, uh, David Thewlis, a.k.a. Professor Lupin from yeah. Harry Potter, uh, Mr. Ed Warren himself, Patrick Wilson. 
Like it's just got it. It's got so Star many people. It's good. Speaking of cheating husbands, Ewan McGregor. Um, I, I'm not mad at. I mean, I'm mad at him. Um, America's like most perfect human being ever. Tom Hanks's son, Colin Hanks. So the okay. comma comes after ever. Tom Hanks, comma his son. Like not that his son isn't great or anything. Say Bob but Odenkirk. I'm looking at the cast right now. Is Bob Odenkirk? I don't think it says. It says Deputy Bill okay. something or other. Sure, sure. I mean, there's so many people who have been in it. Like literally, like like Joey King, who played Gypsy Rose Blanchard. She was in it at one point. Ted Danson. Yeah. Like it's 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 Nick Offerman. Star I see. studded. Yeah, star fucking studded. Like it's Dang. just for that alone. But it's still going. Um, it has an 8.9 out of 10 on IMDb, an 87% Google score, and a 93% tomato reading, and 84% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Um, like, it's just, it, it's, it's very impressive. And I believe it's also won, like, some awards. Like, it's very, it's won three Golden Globes, yeah. according to IMDb. Um, it's just, it's, it's a really, it's just stellar. It's so good. I gotta good. watch it. I yeah. Ke- I kept hearing about it, but I never actually watched it. Yeah. It's, it's, I... Before, like when I had cable, I started watching it and then I didn't have cable anymore. <laughs> but yes. I didn't know that it was we've on Hulu, so level. now I'm going to catch up. Yeah, we've all been that level of poor. Um, but but also, um, on season one, episode nine of Law and Order Criminal Intent, which is the, the episode is called The Good Doctor, the team investigates the disappearance of a plastic surgeon's wife, which leads to a successful conviction without a corpse when they deduce that her body was dissolved in sulfuric acid in their bathtub and the bones were dumped out of her husband's single engine aircraft. Ooh. So, so uh, some creative very, liberties, but. Very, very Breaking Bad. I think that's how they got rid of some bodies in Breaking Bad. That's another one on my list. I'll yeah. probably watch Fargo first. <laughs> Breaking Bad so good. Um this this episode was also for a fun fact if anybody likes forensic files this is the first case they covered. Season 1 episode Ooh. 1 was this case. Damn. Yeah. Um and then also the podcast Morbidology has done an episode on this case like a ton of a, a ton of podcasts have done um What's what am I? I, I can't speak today. I Would really can't. It, well, no, but I meant I, episodes. Thank you. Like I, I don't, I don't know who I'm thanking. I'm thanking my cats. Thank you, cats. Like there's there's a bunch of of episodes of various true crime shows that have done it, but Morbidology I feel like is one that people kind of know. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, it's it's it definitely like if you like to hear more about this case that would be one to to kind of check out but um all right and then finally i i can't not give a little shout out to my boo dr lee who is just the single most just he's such a good human like if anybody has ever interacted with him you would know like he's just a good fucking human um so involved in the case so involved in the case um and so part of, for part of this because i have like various dr lee memorabilia um because of course i do um he, he i he, part of it was his crime scene handbook which is called henry lee's crime scene handbook uh it has a 4.04 out of 5 on goodreads for anybody who wants to check it out And according to Goodreads, quote, Henry Lee's crime scene handbook outlines proven methods to help you collect and process physical evidence correctly, analyze it thoroughly and understand its relevance to the case involved. It evaluates the newest chemical and instrumental techniques and discovers new areas such as forensic analysis of computers and advanced shooting scene reconstruction methods. This must have guide is enhanced with dozens of colorful uh, of color photographs, logic trees, checklists, worksheets, case studies. Uh, lists of suppliers and more. Henry Lee has consulted on thousands of criminal cases around the world and is highly sought after to help solve difficult cases. Now he and his co-authors share more than 50 years of combined experience in this systemic, systematic approach to crime scene processing. It provides the information you need for initial training to take with you in the field and to refer to again and again during the course of each investigation. End quote. Wow. So he literally wrote the book on forensics Proce- with, yeah, with two other people scenes. that we're not gonna that we're not gonna 
care much about because they're not him. Um, I shouldn't say that. They, I'm sure they're lovely people. But um, yeah, it was it, like, he's just, he's the best. I love him so much. He signed a book for my mom one Christmas. Like that was my Gotta Christmas get him gift on the her. podcast. I know. I keep saying it. We really do. He also keeps coming up as a suggested friend for me on Facebook because like everybody from UNH friends him. And I really should just like add him and be like, hey, listen. Do it. Networking. Networking. Um, but yeah. Anyway, that that's is it. that. That is that. Dang. I'm going to go scarf well, down some Indian food. We're going to put everything up on the website. What's Crime the website? CrimeCulturePodcast.tumblr.com. There it is. You can email us. CrimeCulturePod at gmail.com. You can follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can join our Patreon for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want. And then maybe you can also be a part of the poll that um, chooses an episode. So Yeah, because Lucian's got too much power. Way too much power. (laughs) Way too much. I know we say a person in that situation is God, but... (laughs) no we love everybody equally um let him live maybe be a better mom it's <gasps> fucked up i know he loves you I so snuggled, you're I a good mom this little shit all day still wasn't enough nope, he's in his is. he's in his his terrible twoses yeah so with that we will see you next tuesday bye bye, bye.